created live on Fireside. sports fans and welcome to go team the sports and history podcast that's going to take you way in depth on the rhyme of the ancient mariner and tie it to major league baseball i'm your host kelly and with me is my wonderful husband josh who i don't i can't remember if you love or hate the rhyme of the ancient mariner but you have strong opinions on things like that so i'm (laughs) i'm waiting i'm waiting and ready to hear your opinion on it um it's fine it it it's fine. I, I actually don't have a strong opinion on it. <laughs> I remember reading it in high school and being like, this is real stupid. Like, what? who even cares about this? And then our English teacher, who is probably the greatest English teacher in the world, shout out Mrs. Frame, um, was like, this is where we get the albatross around your neck and why, right. what it means. And, and I was like, oh. And how do you and think that, I, how do you think that applies to baseball? Um, cause you're going to talk about the Mariners and I don't know if the ancient, the rhyme of the ancient Mariner has anything to do with it. But when I it, every time I hear the word Mariners, I think of the rhyme of the ancient Mariner. And I think of in our textbook in which the rhyme of the ancient Mariner was in, in high school. Cause we had textbooks. Then our high school student has zero textbooks. Um, there was a big picture of a dead albatross, like a real life one. And I was like, Ugh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's like too, that's too literal gross. at that point. <laughs> um, so I think of those two things every time I hear the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, not not the Seattle albatrosses, the Seattle Which, Mariners. Also, they could be probably. I actually don't know where albatrosses are. I think they're in South America. Um, I have a feeling because I think the rhyme in the Ancient Mariner, they're like going around the the tip of South America maybe. And that's where mm-hmm. he, he kills the albatross. I don't know. I'm not an English teacher, believe it or not, folks, not, not an, an English, English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the Seattle Mariners, we'll be talking more of the uh, Pacific ocean and then more sp- specifically Puget sound. So that's where we're, we're, we're in the Pacific Northwest of the United States with this story. And the reason why I've chose it actually is because I was uh, literally there today. Although I'm I'm back in uh, in Milwaukee uh, right now, but earlier this morning was in Seattle. Felt like it was p- perfect to talk about the Mariners with my recent trip there. Yeah, I, I texted you on Monday when you were there and been like, "Yo, we have to do a show this week. Like, what are you gonna do?" And you were just like, "I'm gonna do the Mariners because I'm here." And I was like, "Okay, do you even <laughs> know if that's a good story? I hope it's a good story because sometimes when we're researching our show or trying to decide a team to do the the history of how they got their name, the story of how they got their name, it's not a very good story. You know, right. like it's like, oh, the Colorado Rockies. Oh, well." Duh. Well, there's like, some Rockies there. Duh. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not that great of a story unless you really got weird into like how the Colorado Rockies, the Rocky Mountains formed, which I totally would do. Cause yeah, there was a you, whole, yeah. You could if get you listen to our plates. show last week or the week before that, I got really deep into fruit tree grafting. So that's the kind of things I like to get into. It's like, why are the Colorado Rockies right there? And I would do. 15 minutes on that. And but, who does fruit tree grafting? Oh my God. It's so interesting. Anyway. Yeah. But anyways, we're talking about the Seattle Mariners and 
I think on the surface, uh, the reason why you asked that is because it's kind of obvious. Yeah, it does seem kind of obvious. And you're I like, mean, oh, well, yeah, I mean, the Pacific Ocean's there, you know, Puget Sound, it's on Puget Sound, uh, you know, it's, lot, it's one of the busiest cargo ship ports in the world. Um, yeah, Mariners, that seems to make sense. And obviously, Seattle being one of the main regions where uh, the indigenous peoples of the United States lived, it's a very strong uh, Native American culture there dating back centuries, even before right. European settlers came. Obviously, they had uh, their own maritime ways as well. And so there's lots of maritime history there from, from that stuff. But my story tonight, believe it or not, for the Seattle Manors, begins in 1911. Hmm. And not only that, but it doesn't even begin in Seattle. The well, story I'm going to tell you I'm begins. Hooked. The story I'm telling you begins in New York, and specifically Brooklyn, New York. For it was that year in Brooklyn, New York. The date, the exact date, by the way, the story begins is January 18th, 1911. Uh, and that was the year that David Daniel Kaminsky was born. Now, uh, David Daniel Kaminsky uh, was, as I just said, born in Brooklyn, and he uh, was having a fairly regular upbringing for that that era in New York uh, until, un very unfortunately, his mother dies when he's just a teenager. And... He was the youngest of, of three kids, and um, when his mother dies, he actually ends up uh, sort of like running away with a friend, and they go all the way to Florida, just as teenagers, sort of dropping out of school, hitting the road, and just sort of like busking the whole way. And they busk they, all the they way. They busked? Yeah, you know, guitars, playing songs, earning no, a, no. Earning a, oh, I know what busking is. I'm just yeah. you never mentioned that he was a guitar player. Yeah, well, I'm just telling you what they did on their way to Florida as teenagers. Okay, is so, that how they got money? That's yeah, making money, just you know, performing, doing okay. musical acts, busking, whatever, whatever they could to do it. And uh, after some time. Uh, being some sort of traveling musical vagabonds. He returns to New York, gets a job as a soda jerk, also takes up a job as an auto insurance investigator, worked briefly for a dentist at one point, bounced around through jobs, and nothing ever really stuck. But the one thing that really stuck from uh, his upbringing was that performance stuff. And he was really just an amazing performer. People loved to hear him sing. And he got his first break doing some vaudeville uh, routines, which was extremely common in the uh, 20s and 30s. And he's able to do some, some stage shows. And uh, during that time, he starts to gain some, some really strong popularity, even to the point where he actually ends up uh, doing a tour uh, in Japan as well. And 
the vaudeville show is a thing. Wait, what's his act? So his name that you would know is one Danny K. <gasps> no. That's what's up. I, okay. I did not see this one coming. First of all, you know how much I love Danny K. <laughs> that was an that was a real legitimate sound of shock and awe because if you're about to tell me that Danny K had something to do with the founding of the Seattle Mariners, I can't even because he sang the Dodgers song that you know I love. Well, that was my next step in my story, as oh you my God. as you know. Okay. So Danny K. Okay. He's as, a, he's a he's goddamn a, American treasure. American treasure. He and his vaudeville act lend, eventually leads to the Danny K show, which eventually leads to White Christmas and a bunch of other, uh, you know, dozens upon dozens of acclaimed comedy musical movies known for his crazy facial expressions and his comedy routines, as well as his beautiful singing voice, as we all know, and wins a bunch of awards along the way. Uh, and during that time, obviously being in uh, Southern California, he is, as you just said, a big Dodgers fan. And I said, D. I said, D-O. I said, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. They're my Los Angeles. <laughs> Don't. I can't. With Danny you can't Day. even. You know, that song is actually included in Baseball's Greatest Hits compilation. If you for one of them, so he was actually really good friends with Leo DeRocher, who was the uh, manager of the Dodgers at that time, uh, and particularly uh, that was like the early '60s, and um, he loved baseball, and in fact, uh, he was known as being like kind of a baseball savant, like he would like had a crazy knowledge of the game. And um, and even played when he was younger, played second base. Wait, Danny Kay did? Yeah, not for the Dodgers, but just that was his well, like right. his position of choice. Now, with that, he um, did the song, the Dodgers song, the famous Dodgers song, and was a lifelong Dodgers fan because of it and loved the Dodgers. At the same time, he has a business partner who uh, him and his business partner have uh his the business partner's name was lester smith they formed a uh, enterprise called k smith enterprises and they uh actually as part of that ownership group of like investments that they were making uh along the the pacific coast they actually owned a chain of radio stations throughout the pacific northwest and as we all know seattle is in the pacific northwest so as you could imagine, where this is all leading is that Danny K and his business partner formed the investment group to form the American League's 13th franchise in its history, the Seattle Mariners. They do this in February of 1976. And wow, the, he was an old man by then. Yeah, and so the owner ownership um, group that he, he gets it is he's able to uh, to secure it, and the only reason though why Danny Kay is ever able to own a baseball team at this point and be a part of an ownership group with the Seattle Mariners is because 
years before that, uh, a few years before that, there's another gentleman who is not famous for being a vaudeville actor and famous Hollywood star. He is actually famous for being a baseball guy. And that guy is Dewey Soriano. And Dewey Soriano was uh, sort of a baseball lifer. Uh, and he was originally from Canada, but ended up in, in Seattle. And uh, he was able to get uh, a major league baseball team and own a major league baseball team for guess for how long he owned a team. Okay, Dewey Soriano owned a baseball team. Yep. Before the Seattle Mariners existed, he owned a baseball team. In Seattle. In Seattle. Okay, he owned it for 50 years. He owned it for one year. Okay, well. One year. Can you believe that one? You set me up on that one. (laughs) (laughs) The year, the illustrious year was 1969. And that was the year that Major League Baseball had the team, the Seattle Pilots. It was an American professional baseball team based in Seattle. And uh, Dewey Soriano was was the owner. And he had he had helmed several baseball teams before that. Like he was part of the Pacific Coast <laughs> League. Did like that? Pacific Coast League. And uh, you know, there was the the home of the Seattle Rainiers, obviously named for Mount Rainier, which was a minor league baseball team. And uh, and he was heavily involved with with the the teams in that area, and so his dream obviously was to own his own major league team. And he was even a former player; he played for a few minor league teams, and uh, and he was even the general manager and and former president of the Pacific Coast League. So he was heavily involved in baseball this whole time, and. He actually ends up uh, working out a deal with the then owner of the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians, William R. Daly, to help him underwrite the karma baseball team, a major league baseball team in Seattle. And the, they were rushed to open to have their season opener. They were actually not supposed to have their first season until 1971, but the Kansas city Royals and their ownership group were pressuring uh, and particularly actually not just the ownership group, but the Senator of Missouri at that time, Stuart Simington pressured the league to make them start in 1969 instead, because they were so like chomping at the bit to have baseball in Kansas city again. So they move up the timeline and start it in 1969. And the, the pilots actually had to, uh, just to even play that year, had to pay the Pacific Coast League a million dollars in compensation of loss because at the time the, they were the most successful Pacific Coast League team in the minors. And the league was like, hey, we got to have some compensation for stealing, like basically stealing our team and the stadium uh, for Major League Baseball. So they started like out kind of rough financially. Mm-hmm. And they were good. And the bad part was they were have to had to hold their games in uh in in a stadium called Six Stadium, which was it was decent sized, but wait, it was wait, wait 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 are you saying six like the number or sick like I don't feel good six like you don't feel good but possessive named after a man named Sick oh okay and 
so he so he had so he started like the team plays and there was like oh we think we can actually do pretty good don't worry about it uh you know we'll we'll start drawing fans and we're really excited for being in major league baseball and of course the team needs a name for the 1969 season and they are the Seattle Pilots now the pilot Seattle Pilots name works on several levels. As we just mentioned, there's some great maritime history in Seattle. And with that maritime history comes maritime pilots, right? So the the people who would pilot ships uh, all over the world were often called as maritime pilots. And They're in particular, called pilots? Pilots. I didn't know that. Now, the pilots are actually considered more of the ones who actually do the ship navigating. This is, this is like true definition stuff. What we often think of as like a seaman or like a sailor yes. are more of like the, like the deck crew. The pilot is like the one who is like helping the captain with the true navigation and like steering it around like geological formations and knowing where like the deep waters are. Like I really thought you were gonna. I really thought you were to be like you know, like pilot whales. Like, isn't that a kind of whale, a pilot whale? I think so, but I'm not doing a history of whales right now. I know, but I thought that's what when you were like maritime <laughs> and pilot whales, and then they used to stab them, and you know, whaling and all that terrible stuff. And I thought that's where we were going. So I'm, I'm actually pretty relieved that that's not it. Oh no, not at all. This is just about the the men. Uh, in the past, typically men. I'm sure there are women now. Um, who would be the pilots? Now, the interesting thing... They Puget don't let Sound, women drive a boat. Come on. Pu- not, Pu- women don't drive boats. All right. <laughs> Puget Sound actually, actually has a whole group of people uh, that are the Puget Sound pilots. And the Puget Sound pilots are responsible for navigating ships, particularly uh, ships from other countries, through the sound. So... A little more than like 80, about 85 years ago, they formed the Puget Sound Pilots. And they are highly trained, a highly skilled elite force of senior mariners <laughs> who are required by law, required by law, they've got, they've got a badge, I'm sure, to board and pilot any foreign flagged or large vessel that enters Puget Sound. So if you want to bring oh. a barge, if you want to bring a barge into Puget Sound and you want to like, you know, like you just bought a just a ton of stuff from China. Like you just bought a bunch of cancuzies and like other stuff from, you know, a catalog. Yeah. And they're getting shipped over. That ship, if it's going into Puget Sound, you can't drive it in yourself. You got to have one of these The pilots come it. out. It's like I They're kinda, like the Black Ops. Yes, sure. Or I was, uh, part of me is like, uh, is this like uh, in in the movie Elf, where the uh, Central Park Rangers come out, like patrolling Central Park? No, so I I've actually up- I've heard of this before. Um, in t- in in places in um like when we're talking maritime navigation, places that it is difficult or tricky to get in and out of, they have people who are just trained to. I guess pilot ships in and out of it like that's and that's all they do 
Yeah, is uh, yeah. Pilots so been out. There are currently, or as of just a few years ago, I was I'm, I've, I was reading a story in um, the Puget Sound Business Journal about how uh, just a few years ago they actually brought in to Puget Sound and docked at the Seattle port there uh, a ship from China that was longer than a football field. Oh, and they had to do like uh, months of drills leading up to the ship's arrival to make sure they can navigate it properly through the channels and like to the port. And there was currently at that time, there were 55 of these elite, highly trained Puget Sound pilots. I actually think that that's how um, the Exxon Valdez disaster, the tanker in Alaska, I think that there was a, something like that happened where they had an inexperienced pilot driving it i it's not driving i don't know what you call it sailing it floating it on the water i don't know but i think that that's how the exxon valdez um ran aground and you know dumped all that oil was because of a piloting situation with someone who was coming in off the boat to do it and they weren't really experienced i think i could be wrong yeah i mean maybe i don't know the full history of of the Exxon Valdez, but I do know the history of the Seattle pilots. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I like a rabbit hole. Of something. <laughs> oh, I know. Which there's a lot here. Like I've already introduced you to Danny Kay and how Danny Kay's love of baseball and the Dodgers. I know. Is he going to come? Is Danny Kay coming so, back? I, I mean, not really. Oh, no. maybe a little bit, but anyway, so the, the Seattle pilots in 1969, major league baseball, one year of major league baseball existence formed by Soriano and, the reason why the pilots, uh, not only was it does it make sense because of the, the, the aptly named Puget Sound pilots that I just described, these the elite force of maritime pilots navigating the waters, but, uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is that not only th- does it make sense on that level, but you know, if you remember back in the 60s and even before then, you know, players baseball players often didn't make enough money to live on their salary alone and so like in the off season a lot of time players would have other jobs guess what old dewey soriano's part-time job was he was a puget sound pilot he was a pilot what's up with that right Mm -hmm. so aptly names the team the seattle pilots now it also works uh Beautifully, because I don't know if you uh, know, but Seattle is where Boeing started. Oh, I feel like I knew it was in Washington, not necessarily Seattle, but yeah. So Seattle region is where Boeing gets its start, and uh, so you there's a huge aviation history in and around Seattle because of Boeing and its in and its impact on aviation uh, from over the years. So there, at first I was like, I was like convinced. I was like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, a, a whole Boeing thing where Boeing owned the Seattle pilots and that's why they're the pilots because it was like a nod to their history and like, you know, like uh, William Boeing bought them or whatever. No, no. It was Dewey Soriano. Okay. I just clearing that up. I just it's easily it could easily be confused. Well, give so, credit where credit's due. I mean, yeah. So it doesn't it didn't have to do with that. Now it now I told you one year. Now that's pretty unique in itself that a team only exists for 
for one year, but in that year they cannot draw a crowd. I mean, they finished like only like three teams had worse attendance than that first year than '69. The stadium was was getting old. They have they had obvious problems with trying to keep it afloat with the stadium, and they really just didn't. They just didn't really have enough money to begin with. As I mentioned, he had to, he had to get a loan from the Cleveland Indians owner at the time uh, to even get things going to pay the 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 fees to the Pacific Coast League for stealing the team and all that stuff. So they they don't know what to do with it, but it's, but it's obvious they're going to have to sell already. And so Soriano, Dewey Soriano, the owner of the Pilots, uh makes contact with a, a man in Milwaukee. Oh my goodness. That man's name is Bud Selig. Of course. Now Bud Selig, former commissioner and also former uh, minority owner of the Milwaukee Braves before the Milwaukee Braves moved to Atlanta, he, Mr. Selig was looking for a way to bring a major league baseball team back to Milwaukee after losing the Braves. So Dewey Soriano meets in secret with Bud Selig and they agree on a $10.8 million price tag to sell the team to Selig and have the team relocate to Milwaukee. And there is there was some pressure locally of like people being very upset, obviously after only one year losing it, uh, a local local um, uh, theater owner in Seattle tried to like come up with a, a deal to keep it, um, but there were some issues with financing still, and it, it ultimately gets sold to Sea Lake and moves to Milwaukee after that first year. Isn't that kind of sad? Yeah, in it's kind of sad, but I feel like stuff like that happens all the time in professional sports, especially. Like in the beginnings and in the 60s and 70s, I feel like there was way more selling and moving of teams than there is now. Like if a team moved now, it's a BFD. Well, yeah. Well, it was a pretty big deal when the pilots uh, had to be sold so much that there were there was actually an actual newspaper report that there were effigies hung in Seattle of Dewey Soriano and, and Dewey Soriano's brother, who was also like the one of the finance guys on the team. Like people were like hanging effigies, and like lo- the local citizenry was was none too happy uh, with Soriano for basically not being able to sustain the team and keep it in Seattle. Another crazy thing about all this is that this all this all takes place within days before opening day in 1970. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's. It, again, see, like I just don't think things like that would happen today. You know, well, the, yeah, I, maybe there, it's because there's, there's way too much money and, on the line yeah. to to be that fast and loose with, you know, a baseball team or with any sort of like schedules. I think uh, it seems it does seem like a thing. If you ask me, what time, what what decade do you think that happened? I'd be like, uh, probably the seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. So there's actually then there's like a law there is a lawsuit because the 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 pilots didn't honor some of the agreements of like holding the contract for the city and then also how it moved away from the Pacific Coast League. So there was it wasn't 
it wasn't clean at all. There was bankruptcy. There were all these different filings. And, but immediately the city of Seattle is like, we, let's, we still want a team. Like we're not given, given up on this. And so they, in anticipation of being able to have a, a major league baseball team again, even began the building of the kingdom, which was where the, the Mariners used to play uh, before they got their new stadium um, right around the year 2000, I believe. So, they even started building the stadium because they're like, we're, we want a team and we're going to get a team back because Dewey Soriano and, and the, and the peeps here went bankrupt and made us lose our team. So they were able to eventually get the permission for major league baseball to get a team back in Seattle. And as I mentioned earlier, one Danny K helps make it happen with purchasing. The him. Yeah. Which is pretty great. So with that, though, you, they were like, obviously, uh, we don't really want to use the name the Seattle Pilots anymore. And uh, because of all the controversy around the name and what went down. So I read this great, this great article on how they settled on the Seattle Mariners. It's on, it's on MLB.com uh, by a writer named Greg Johns. And he recounts how the name came to be. Now, uh, as we mentioned, it makes sense for them to be the Mariners, right? Yes. So because of the Puget Sound, and of course, it even gives a little nod to the pilot's name even a little bit. And um, the great thing, though, is that uh, the ownership group with the very one, Danny Kay, uh, they decide it, the best way to do this, to engage the, the fandom again, is the tried and true... Fan vote, man. Fan vote. Let's let the people, let the people of Seattle speak. Let them so then speak. I was thinking, so then I was thinking, oh man, if this was today, like because back in the early 70s, it's a different Seattle than we know it today, right? No grunge music yet, no yeah. real Starbucks of of any, any uh, dominance yet from Starbucks, no Amazon, no Microsoft. I mean, there's a lot of things that make up Seattle today that aren't even in existence then, right? So it's like, man, so the people in, in the early 70s probably were still like all in on like either aviation with Boeing uh, or maritime stuff, something with the water. Now, my immediate thought was, man, I kind of feel like it would have been great to call them the Seattle Sound. Yeah. Well, isn't there? Wait, no, I was thinking the Supersonics. The Supersonics were the basketball team, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Seattle so, Sound would be good. You could do a lot of cool stuff with that too. Like, it would make even more sense now. Post kind of post grunge, it makes even more sense because there'd be all kinds of really good music stuff. And I believe Jimi Hendrix was from Seattle too. So there's like there's a good music vibe mm-hmm. going with Seattle. But the van contest happens. More than six hundred names were submitted, with fifteen thousand entries total, and one of the most uh, consistent or popular names submitted was the Mariners. And because it was submitted by multiple people, the team had to choose an entry by random to be like, this is the, this is the fan who named it, right? Uh-huh. So a man named Roger Simodis of Bellevue, Washington, had written in that they should be the Mariners and even included an ex, uh, an explanation as to why, which MLB.com printed. And the, the explanation, according to Zimotis, is 
I've selected the Mariners because of the natural association between the sea and Seattle and her people who have been challenged and rewarded by it. Everybody's happy. The Mariners are like, this is great. We're going to give this guy season tickets. We want to bring him to the games. We're going to give him an all-expense-paid trip to see the team play on the road for any of the series that he chooses during this first year. He's going to be like fan number one. But guess what? He doesn't like baseball. He never shows up. Oh. He never claims the prize. He never responds to the Seattle Mariners. They're like, yo, you just named us. Like, we're saying you are the guy who named us. No answer. Now, of course, pre-email, right? Pre-direct message. You don't have many ways to get a hold of somebody back in the day. But, I mean, we had phone books. We had, his obviously, his letter and his return address. And the Mariners public relations team uh, kept reaching out. And the uh, according to the story at MLB.com, the Mariners director of public relations even said, quote, it's gotten, it's really gotten to be a mystery. And at the time in 2007, uh, Childs, uh, Hal Childs uh, passed away. But before that, he wrote, uh, we've written to Simotis letters. We even stopped by his apartment. We left messages for him to contact us, but we never heard from him. Maybe we'll have to put out an APB. So 43. So like, they went, they went yeah, to his apartment and no were, one. No one answered. That's weird. And so then a new, uh, eventually a new um, director of public relations uh, comes on and he tries tracking down Zamotas too. And recently, just as recently as a few years ago, they were still trying to see if this guy was still alive. This Zamotas guy was still alive for a history project for the Seattle Mariners because they're like, we want to find the guy who named us, like the find the guy who was supposed to be the one who was the winner of this fan vote. So they searched like Google records and they finally found a Roger Zamotis living in Pennsylvania. And they sent him a letter, reached out to him. And guess what? It wasn't him. They never heard back from him either if it's either the same Rand, uh, Roger Zamotis or a different Roger Zamotis anytime the Mariners try to get in contact with a man named Roger Zamotis he, he does not him. return he, a call he ghosted he ghosted the Mariners totally ghosted the Mariners that's so bizarre is that not the craziest thing ever that's yeah I mean but I work in a school, in a public school, and I, the number of parents that we have that don't like return a call or call their kid in sick and their kid just doesn't show up, or their kid is sick at school and we cannot get a hold of anybody is astounding. And you would be like, how can they do that? So, I mean, I can kind of see this because maybe he was just like, yeah, I don't care anymore, or never even opened up the letters from the Mariners and just thought... But you know. they stopped by his his apartment. I mean, I'm sure it was in the newspapers. I'm sure they were like, hey, Roger Zamotis won. Come get your prizes. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, if they tried as recently as 2007. That's pretty crazy. Where is he? Why did Roger Zamotis not take his free tickets and, like, 
do that stuff. So then I'm thinking, okay, conspiracy and or something, right? Like there's got to be something. The guy just doesn't ignore it. So I'm like, was there ever a Roger Samotis? Was it Danny Kay pretending to be somebody else and being like, I just want to be the main Mariners. I'm just going to write it in myself. <laughs> put it on the little alias. Oh, I, I, let's go with that because I think that's delightful. <laughs> but I was like, so what began as a story of like, oh, they're obviously the Mariners because of maritime stuff, the ocean being right there and Puget Sound became a crazy tale of a fan who wrote in to name the team and then ghosted the team. Danny F and K remember. Yeah, that's American icon treasure, uh, a washed up minor league baseball player who ends up bankrupting the first team who also happened to be a maritime pilot in Puget town and the, in the off season. This is great. Yeah, that is great. That's a lot of. I uh, didn't get to how Nintendo owns the Mariners. They do? Yeah. Right now? I believe so. Oh, that's interesting. Because uh, we had a comment, too, in our chat from from our good friend Lily. Um, And Lily said, she said the Nordstrom family for some time was owners. Maybe. I don't know if you came across that that the Nordstrom family also maybe owns the Mariners. Oh, maybe now they might, they have, might have uh, part ownership. First of all, I didn't even know Nordstrom was a family. So that, that I feel stupid, but. Um, all right. So the Mariners were owned by Nintendo, but they've sold to a different ownership group. And they did that a few years ago. Oh, well, it must be the Nordstrom's maybe. Maybe. Um, remember when Danny Kay was the dentist on the Cosby show? Yeah. Do you remember dentist? that? Yeah. 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 That was great. Crazy thing. Danny Kay, one of his first jobs was working for a dentist. And oh. then and then guess what he did? He married the dentist's daughter. He did. He did. And they stayed married for the rest of his life? I'm not sure if they stayed married for his whole life. Probably not. But I just uh that's like the first time as a child that I remember like being exposed to Danny Kay and being like, this guy's hilarious. And then my love for him has only grown throughout the years. So I am glad to be able to tie him into our podcast. Finally, for the second Finally. time. <laughs> for the second time. Well, just because the Dodgers episode, you talked about him. Right. Just a little bit. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. How do you like it? No. So I was thinking though, with the fan contest, I mentioned it earlier, like uh, what other names would have been good for a Seattle baseball team. So I mentioned this. I really think the Seattle sound. Seattle sound would have been great. It would have been great. And if it was today, I was thinking, what about the Seattle drip? Mm, No, because the drip is like the coffee. No, I know, but and they didn't have like really stylish uniforms. No, not the drip. The right. Seattle um, barometric pressure because they have so much rain. That was, that was like, I would could maybe <laughs> would give you like the fog or something. <laughs> like I was thinking of the fog, the mist, um, the Seattle. Um, 
Oh, here we had another comment that said the Nordstrom family helps with ownership of the Seahawks. Got it. Thank you, Bad Bunny. Though I don't think you're the rapper, Bad Bunny. I would love it if you were, but probably not. But if you are, hey, thanks for listening. Um, Seahawks, not the Mariners. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. So interesting. But uh, I was also I was also thinking with the tech. If today it'd be like the Seattle Techies, that seems too silly. Yeah, that's too silly. You'd have to do something like the Seattle Cybers, Seattle Silly Pants. No, that now you're just you took something that was a fun thing and you t- made it silly. I'm not. I was really trying to think there. It's been a long day. I just can't think of anything. By the way, just if you've never been to Seattle, which I know you haven't, it's much more hilly and mountainous than you would expect. I would not have expected that. Yeah, lots of mountains. The um, uh, uh, feeling is for me that they got it right. I think the Mariners is perfect for them, actually. Yeah, and I I I noticed that their mascot's a moose, though. Um, like the the they have a mascot who goes around at the games as a moose. Why is that? Do you know why that is? I don't. I don't think there's moose in washington is there is there I'm sure i don't know i've actually never seen a moose in person so i don't really know where they are they could be in you know florida for all i know i have no idea where m- moose are you know they're not in florida i know they're not but i'm just saying i've never seen one and i don't normally associate like washington state with moose but i guess are moose in like montana probably yeah, I'm sure in Glacier National Park. I was always just thinking, like, Maine, you know, that's where the moose are, but they're probably all over the northern part of the United States and Canada, I would guess. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, here, you want to know how they got the moose mascot? I do. So I, I did a quick quick search, MLB.com, crushing it out again for me. So they opened up a fan contest for kids 14 and under in 1990. Uh, in the Northwest to submit ideas. 2,500 entries later, they selected Eamon Spiller's idea. Eamon Spiller was a fifth grader from Central Elementary School in Ferndale, Washington. And quote Spiller why he chose it. I chose the moose because they are funny, neat, and friendly. <laughs> the moose would show that the Mariners enjoy playing and that they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. It shows they're having fun no matter what the situation. Oh, that's super cute. Does the and, moose have a name? Um, yes, it is. Mariner Moose. Oh, okay. And his popularity took off because he did things like rollerblade and drive ATVs around the stadium. Oh, well, that that's pretty cute. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for answering he, that for me. Yeah. He even went water skiing once in the outfield and got hurt. Nice. <laughs> broke his broke his fibula in front of everybody. Oh gosh, that's yeah. pretty serious. I know. Wait, how could he water ski in the outfield? These are things you can only find out when you go to Seattle. Oh, is the outfield in the ocean? No, I think they just put a like a fake pool out there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that was really interesting. Um, there you go. See. Yeah, that was sort of a long. They're all about the fans. Tale. 
All about the fans in Seattle. Yeah. Let the fans do it. Uh, I'm I'm here for that. But now we have come to the portion of our show where you get to be asked the big three, Josh. The big yes. three questions that I have chosen sort of related to the topic in which you were talking <laughs> about. And tonight's questions all are, in fact, about maritime things. Ooh. Maritime. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Question one. How far does an average container ship travel in a year? A, halfway to the moon. B, three quarters of the way to the moon. C, all the way to the moon. Or D, all the way to Mars. Whoa. All the way to the moon. Final answer? Final answer. Nope. Three quarters of the way to the moon. Uh, <laughs> that was a tough one. I was like, well, oh, that's kind of, no one would know that unless you know a lot about maritime. Um, but that just shows you how far they go um, in a year back and forth across the vast oceans of our earth. Question two, how many cargo ships are on the ocean at one time at any oh. given time? How many cargo ships are on the ocean? 20,000? 35,000? 45,000? Or 55,000? Whoa. How many cargo ships are on I'm the gonna ocean? I'm going to go with the lowest number, 20. You are incorrect. It is 55,000 cargo ships are on the oceans at one time. Combined, that number of cargo ships holds about 20 million containers of stuff. That is nuts. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's still also the mo the cheapest and most um, environmentally friendly way to transport items on Earth right now. That Which that crazy. blew my mind. I was like, wow, really? Because they can hold so much. All right. You're, you're 0 for 2 here. So let's yeah. hope that this last one goes your way. What country has the largest fleet of cargo ships in the world? Is it the USA, Japan, Greece, or Germany? Oh. What country has the largest fleet of cargo ships? You chose a couple in there that I was like, oh, Germany? Um <laughs> Um, a country has the largest fleet: USA, Japan, Greece. I was going to go with USA. That is incorrect. Oh dang! I know, Lily. You're also incorrect. She guessed Greece. It is Japan. Japan has three thousand nine hundred and sixty-two cargo ships. That are held by private companies and by the country itself. Can't believe it wasn't Germany. It was not Germany. <laughs> um, I would have also gone with Greece because of uh, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis' uh, husband, who was like the Greek shipping air, you know, air. And you hear so much about like Greek shipping airs. I would have guessed Greece too. But yeah, you, I just didn't. I didn't really like. I wouldn't think the largest one would be not on on like the direct ocean. Well, Japan is on the direct ocean. Oh, you said I, you thought it wouldn't be. I see. Yeah, that's why I ruled out Greece. No. Well, I'm sorry about that. 
So you didn't get any of those questions right. Bummer. They were hard, though, so I'm sorry about that. Maybe they were too hard. Um, better luck next time. Thanks for playing. Could have at least gotten something related to Seattle for me. Well, I was I was thought about it, but then I was like, oh, no, I'm going to do Maritime <laughs> because I'm sure he's going to talk about something to do with, you know, Maritime. I did. You did a little bit. Uh, but anyway, you, you did your best. So now we get into the portion of the show where the person who is the listener of the story, in this case, me, gets to grade the storyteller, in this case, Josh, on the story that they have just told about the sports team's names. There are four categories. You get a score from one to five in each category, five being amazing, one being craptacular. So the first category is uniqueness of the name. I don't know that there's any other Mariner named teams. I'm going to guess there's probably high school teams here and there that are called Mariners. Um, and there are like other people who are called Mariners. So I'm going to give this one a four. Yeah, it's fine. I really wanted to do a three, but I thought you would Whoa. have a baby fit. So that, I'm going to do a four. A, yeah, a three would have been a hard grade. Okay, I don't know that it's hard, but whatever. Second category is reflection of town, the town or the city in the team name. Well, you did a really good job setting up the whole Puget Sound Pilots. And you did say, you know, Seattle is a, still a huge maritime um, hub industry. I'm sure they've got a big like dock situation or what do you call it? <laughs> A port? Not a dock, a port. Thank you. Um, there. Just that one dock. They, you know, <laughs> it's a solid nine footer. You, know. you can pull your pontoon up to it or <laughs> a cargo ship the size of a football field. It works for both. Yeah, no big deal. We got Get you. your fenders out. You'll be fine. Um, so I'm going to give this one a five because I think uh, you in order to be called the Mariners, you do have to be a port city, which Seattle famously is. Yes. Excellent. The third category is standing the test. Uh, oh no. The third category is interest of the story behind the name. You took us here. You took us there. You wound us around. You brought in Danny K. I brought an audible gasp from you of Danny K. You tied in some sort of, you know, controversy with, a minor league baseball team and ownership got a little murky there, which I was, you know, I don't always understand the ownership things, which is the thing that you love the most about sports teams. Um, but I'm going to give that a four, a four. Yeah. I'm you giving it a four gasped for Danny K not for the Mariners. I guessed for Danny K. Was Danny Kay a Mariner? Did he own the Mariners for the rest of his life? No, he owned it for like, I don't know, like eight years, and then he sold it because he was old. Okay. I'm going to give it a four. But I I have an audible gasp now of this <laughs> decision by you, but that's fine. You know, you got you to do what the referee says. Oh, my gosh. See, this is why I, okay. The last category is standing the test of time, and that means does the team name stand the test of time? Well, They've been the Mariners since what the seventies. Yep, they're kind of going to be the Mariners 
for a long time. So I'm going to guess I'll give it a five because I dare not do anything else for fear of your reaction. So that's a score of an 18. I don't know why you're upset. That's a good score. That's that's a good score. I agree. I just, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It is what it is, Josh. I've accepted my fate. Okay. But it was interesting. Um, I was, I honestly was a little worried about the Mariners because I was like, uh, that seems kind of obvious, you know, but, um, yeah, you did a good job. Yeah. In your face, strawberry. <laughs> All right. Let's not get, let's not bring Daryl strawberry into this. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's it. That's all we got. We did the we did the gamut. I I provoked an audible gasp. I created a great story. It was only valued at a four out of five, but that's fine. And <laughs> wow, uh, we learned a lot about uh, a little bit of Seattle history, a little bit about the Mariners' history, and the one year Seattle Pilots' history as well. And now I'm like, boy, I gotta get I gotta dive into the Brewers' story at some point now because they've come up twice, both in the break when I talked about the. Uh, the Reds and the, with the Braves, and we we've talked about them in the past. If teams flowing through Milwaukee, and um, maybe that's uh, the Brewers needs to be in one for me in the future here. But these uh, do seem to be circling the the Brewers a bit, yeah. So like a vulture that. in the sky <laughs> to pick their carcass. I don't know, but yeah, like an, like an albatross, <laughs> like an uh, albatross. See. Brought yeah. it all back. Brought it home. So with that, bringing it home, don't forget to go to our home, GoTeamStories.com, for all the latest uh, and previous episodes uh, from Go Team Stories. You can also check us out on your favorite streaming service of choice if you're not listening live on Fireside, where we record uh, each week live on the Fireside app. You can check us out on your service of choice, whether it be Amazon or uh, Spotify or what else is out there, iTunes. Yep, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio. But we would love to have each and every one of you who are listening on those streaming services join us live on Fireside as well, or just check out the great Fireside app. To do that, you can email us, and we'll get you a special VIP link. Go Team Stories at gmail.com. I almost said Yahoo for some reason. <laughs> Go Team Stories at gmail.com. We'll get you a special... At SBC SBC Global. Uh, and we'll make sure that you can get a VIP link to join the Fireside. Or just go to the App Store, uh, the Apple App Store, and get it for your phone. So with all that, Kelly, did I leave anything out? Um, you can follow us on social media. Uh, mainly we're on Instagram, probably the most that would be at go underscore team underscore stories. We're on Facebook. I think we have a Twitter, but I don't, I don't do the Twitter. That's we do. You. Okay. We do, but we don't really, we're not on it that much, I guess. Um, but mainly active on Facebook and Instagram. And I think that's, that's it. That's that. We did it. We did it. Well, with all of that, we went, we, we navigated the straits and we've pulled it in to the dock and it's time to go to bed. Oh, nice. The fenders are out. The fenders are out. The stern line is on and the bow line is also on. We're ready we're to ready shut to engine off. Shut engine off. And with, with that, there's only one thing left to say. That's go team. Go team.